Funny old day, I thought, in the pandemic yesterday. We were back dealing with MIQ escapees. Anti-lockdowners were in court. More charges, uh, well, changes rather, are going to be made to MIQ for the health workers. And the school announcement got the unions all upset, as you've heard on the programme already. Health Minister Andrew Little is with us. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Can you explain to me, and I've asked the question many times, I haven't got a decent answer yet, you and Henry have both had a pop at the DHBs for their role in this problem of Maori not getting vaccinated. If my name's Bob, and I live in Gisborne, and I'm Maori, what's the DHB got to do with me getting a vaccine? Oh, well, they, the DHBs are largely responsible for rolling out the vaccination campaign in their particular area. So they've got additional support and additional funding, including funding that they're meant to be providing to Maori health providers and others so they can get out to their populations as well. Some have done a, a terrific job, others not so, not so good. Why is it an ethnic issue at all? Uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, um, there are a lot of a lot of Māori who are not enrolled patients in a, in a GP practice. Well, they didn't so have to be. Uh, they had the vaccine on Saturday. Yeah, uh, well, there's, there's other ways they could get it. But one of the easiest ways to track down people is if you're an enrolled patient, then you know you can set up you know telephone lists and get people calling. If you're not, if and you're hard to contact, then you're reliant on people walking into the right place at the right time. And there are some people who are just who are just not particularly connected. Some people who don't think about or don't trust the health system or any yeah. part of it. Is, is that is that uniquely read. ethnic, though? Well, I, I guess the only thing we can say we'll just look at the figures here and the ethnic breakdown of vaccinations. Māori, um, look that their their vaccination rate is lifting quickly at the moment, but they're still way behind. Compare that to European, Asian, even Pacific. Pacific yeah. has shot right up, um, but there just there is something about um, the Māori vaccination rate where it is. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get the result. I, we all understand the result, yeah. but I'm looking at the amount of time and energy and money that's being thrown at what's been argued as an ethnic issue, and I just can't work out what is the relationship between a health issue and an ethnic issue. And I can't join the dots, and nobody seems to be able to do either. And yet, there's all of this energy and money being thrown at a problem that's not going to get solved. Well, it will get solved. We're getting there slowly, but that's the whole thing about if we start to re- to lower the restrictions and restore the, the freedoms and stuff that we all desperately need, we want to have back. Um, if you leave a chunk of the population exposed to the extent that they are at the moment, then that, huh. that creates its own problems. That so, was my that I mean, was I'm, my next I'm, question. I might not be the right person to talk about this. Well, well, you are because you're the health minister. Yeah. You're in charge of all yeah. of this. Now, let me ask you this part then, because I've got different answers from each minister I've talked to. When you set your target for the vaccination rate, is it going to be a target that leaves no man? unvaccinated. In other words, we're all going to have to wait until the last person, whether they be Maori or not, gets vaccinated. Or are there going to be opportunities for cities, towns, regions or people to get on and get on with their life while others do get left behind if it's their own doing? Yeah, I think, look, we, we said that the 90% has become the kind of the, the target and we want to do that by kind of population group as well. We will make the every effort we can. But you're right, the point you're, you're raising is that at some point you get to the point where there is enough, we're close enough and people are still under restrictions and thinking, why should I continue to do this? We're, we're, we're constantly aware of that, that tension, and it can't carry on forever. But we do need to make this last burst to get those last people over, to a couple hundred thousand odd people actually, over the line to get them vaccinated. Because mm-hmm. in the end, that, they just become the risk to all of us. If we reduce the restrictions and they're unvaccinated, they become the big spreaders. They become a risk to, to sure. all of us anyway. So the question but is, I'm, how long is that last burst going to last? So you look at Auckland, Auckland's going to be 90% single jab by Sunday. A couple of weeks' time, it'll be 90% double jabbed. If at that point, why can't Auckland go free? And the West Coast, for example, if you want to take the ethnicity out of it, the West Coast, which won't be anywhere near that number, they can stay and do whatever they like. The rest of us need to get on with life. 
Is it going to be that way, or are you going to hold us up until everyone's dragged across the 90% line? Well, we do need to get, particularly in those, those the kind of vulnerable population groups, Māori is, is one of them, is we do need to get that rate up. So again, To what? So to, the, to the target? As close as possible we can get to that 90%. Um, and we, that's why the, all the extra effort is being made at the moment. There's some great people doing some great stuff. I get the tension, it is, and it is get difficult, but we do, because we want to you know, avoid the risk for the rest of us, we want to get as many of those people as vaccinated as possible because they become the problem all for right. all of us. The ICU debate, did you read Tracy Watkins' piece and stuff a couple of days ago? Uh, I, yes, I did, yes. Okay. So she, she, you're saying one thing, the clinicians are saying the other. What's the truth? Well, the truth is that um, we have, in terms of beds in an ICU ward, we have there's about 243 across the country. Um, but you can provide ICU-level care in beds other than beds in an ICU ward. And that was the work that the ministry started at the end of last year was to go to the hospitals and say, right, what other beds can be made available? If we provide the equipment, the ventilators in particular, and, and staff sufficiently trained to be able to work in that environment, even if under supervision, how many more beds can we find? And so we've now got that up to, it hovers between about 320 and 340. I, got, I get a daily report. Yesterday, 325 ICU and HDU okay. beds available, 221 occupied. You're comfortable with that. If we let go at 90%, uh, you're comfortable that's, en- that's enough beds to deal with what we're going to have to deal with? Yeah, well, if you have a look, right now there's about 767 active cases of COVID, people infected with COVID. We have 38 people in hospital and four of those are in, or two ICU, actually yeah. are in ICU units. So so the numbers, we, we're keeping the numbers pretty low. I'm confident that we can absorb that if, you know, once we re- reduce the restrictions. Here's my other problem. This, this obsession with ICU and, and you know, modelling and the world's going to come to an end, you're cancelling 1,000 operations a week. I mean, you know, at what price are you obsessing with ICU? A thousand operations a week. Yeah, they are. Well, they're being postponed, and many, well, many. It's, are it's being the same up. thing. If you're hurting and you need help, you need help. Sure. And in ten sure. weeks' time, five weeks' time, whenever, it doesn't make any difference. You didn't get it when you needed it, and it's because of this obsession with ICU and over overrunning the hospital system. Uh, because some, I mean, not all procedures, obviously. Some procedures you do need to have as backup ICU care because in particular for open heart surgery and things like that, you need to know if things go wrong, you're going to get the intensive level of care postoperatively. But look, when we're in level four, a lot of planned care, a lot of the planned surgeries are postponed and even in level three that happens. A lot of the urgent surgeries, the urgent cancer treatments, all that stuff continues, the diagnosis stuff, all of that continues, but the planned procedures do, do typically get postponed. That happened last year. Um, we were going, getting a, a long way into get, catching up with the backlog created by last year's response to the pandemic. We've now got a new backlog, but I'm confident that the DHBs, with the work with the Ministry, will get a plan to, to get those back in place. And while we're obsessed with health in the tourism industry, a guy says this government strip feed of information is a kick in the guts. For the mainly small employers whose mental health has reached a disturbing low, the fatigue and depression I'm encountering amongst business owners is alarming. People are literally worried, senseless. What's yeah. the point of that? Yeah, that, I mean, I get that and I've heard that. And I know um, uh, Stuart Nash, the Minister for Small Business, has raised that with, with myself and other colleagues. Um, and we do need to make sure that there is good psychosocial support there for people. We know that things like... The Maybe just a door open. Place, 
Yeah, well, that would help too. Um, but we've got to make sure that that when we do that, that their business has a good chance of of, of starting up and not having to you know, shut down again. And you don't think that your obsession with ICU and the health system and locking everybody up for weeks, if not months on end, is out of whack with the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of New Zealanders who want to get on with life, want to make a living and have had their lives tipped upside down because of this? Yeah, we all do. But the overwhelming sentiment people say, I get all the time, is but, but don't put us at risk. We know this is tough. We know this is hard. And for Aucklanders, it's been particularly tough and hard. But people are saying also, don't put us at risk. All right. Appreciate your time as always. Health Minister Andrew Little.